to the ETPHD team podcast episode number 60 with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. Feeling quite autumnal here, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm feeling quite summer-like here. Uh, I know, we're, we're very, very opposite in how dressed and apparently I just blend in with the background now. <laughs> you do, you are very, you're, you're very much a mood. <laughs> just beige. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, beige is definitely a bit. <laughs> yep. Oh, you are. Whereas I look completely starkers on this video call because I have a bikini on. So I did think I was in for a treat, but never mind. <laughs> and the fact when you started the call, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Charge a lot of people money for this. <laughs> only if they're not shutting down OnlyFans, but that's that's for another day. Um, Yeah. I think we're going to crack on with the questions today. Not at all because we're a little bit anxious with things to do before the weekend of IFS and etc. At all. Um, no, no. Not at all. And we've actually got tons and tons of questions. So I think we should just get started. There was one about IFS. So I'm actually going to start with that one to make sure that we get it in. Um, okay. How to deal with meeting up with people you haven't seen for a long time and being conscious that you don't look as slim as the last time you saw them. I realise that if they like me as a person, then my size doesn't matter. But as this is a fitness event, I feel the pressure to look a certain way. The last time most of these people saw me was 2019 IFS and I was in such a good shape. I was in such good shape. Sorry. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to belittle you and say no one cares, but actually this event, probably pretty much no one cares. I was going to say, I was like, are the people going? I don't think anybody's going to yeah. give a shit. Yeah, the only, the, like, what's different about this type of event is that it's really not aesthetic focus at all. It's fitness and fun focused. And actually, nobody is there to judge at all, right? But if anyone was to judge anyone, it would be... The, probably the other way like as if um that person is maybe not being able to be as sociable because they are prioritizing other things over socializing and and being present and but I don't think it's a judgy type of atmosphere at all so specifically for IFS I think everyone is just dead chill and excited to hang out with real people again mm. no, like nobody cares what anyone looks like the whole part they've even emphasized that the, the day and night is like a casual vibe the whole time. They don't expect people to go home and get changed. It's really not about the way that you look at all. So I think that's a really, I think they've fostered a really nice environment. Mm. I mean, you think over the past couple of years in particular, like last year with the Gymshark and Nike as well, they're really pushing that fitness, there's no one set look. So yeah, your body's changed. But as we've spoken about numerous times, bodies do change. That's what they're meant to do. Nobody's going to be judging you for it. Exactly. And I think in general, if you take the this specific event out of the equation and think realistically, I mean, I, okay, I'd ask you, do you ever meet someone that you've not met in ages and, and think about their body shape? I don't. I, 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 I don't. But I do remember thinking that people did. And mm. I think that maybe when you're younger, like much younger. So when I was a teenager, for example, I would have had that mentality because as a teenager, you've got less going on in your life often and you're more focused on yourself and your body. And that's like your, your main focus is how you look and how you're portrayed by others. But as you get older, you realize that none of that matters. So I do recognize and understand that it's 
thought you have, but it's not the truth. And I, the only way you can recognize that is by actually meeting up with people and then realizing that it's not the truth and that nobody cares. Then I also think, again, we've said this multiple times on here, but what other people think of you is none of your business. So really, if someone does think, oh, she's, her body shape has changed, they're, they're probably not going to vocalize it. So what has it got to do with you? Right now, the only person that's insulting you is you. The only person who's saying that you're out of shape or change shape is you. And if you never knew the opinion of someone else, what does it matter? Most people are going to have opinions of everyone. And that's not your job to change the way that someone else thinks. It's the way your job to change the way you respond to it or the way you choose to think about yourself. And I think that's what you want to focus on rather than trying to change other people, which I'm sure obviously what this person is doing. Mm. yeah couldn't agree more thanks <laughs> um okay how to deal with feeling like you've not made the progress you wanted to during a fat loss phase there's been some health issues mixed in there but i am finding it a little hard not to be mad at myself um what would be mad at yourself do <laughs> like in the sense of i think that's what's the purpose of that thought or what's the purpose of that mindset does it change anything no does it you wake do you wake up one day leaner no does it actually make it harder for you to make more progress because you're being hard on yourself and we know that that's actually uh, contributes to less successful dieting yes so it's not serving you anything if anything that mindset is actually of detriment to you so again you kind of have to hold yourself accountable and say well i'm choosing to feel this way but this this thought is not helpful it's not valid and um so I'd, I'm going to replace it or, or I'm going to reframe it and remind myself that I've had a lot of health issues I've done my best I've been managing a lot of these other things in my life my body has allowed me to overcome these health issues or move through these health issues which is incredible of your body and you know be practice gratitude for your body um yeah that's what I would say yeah Absolutely. I mean, we, so we started this fat loss phase just, I mean, perfectly well-timed really, just as everything started opening up again, <laughs> but I mean, she's nailed it. She's still made physical progress whilst having fun and socializing and keeping up all the incredible things she's done with her relationship with food. Like there's been absolutely no restrictions. It's, I think there's, it's so easy to get caught up in where you want to be that you lose sight of all the awesome things that you you have done I agree and internalize those wins all those things that Anna said you've done internalize them celebrate yourself for those and I think we're so we so commonly don't celebrate our daily wins and then we wonder why we don't feel good about ourselves and it's like any day that someone that someone says thanks to you for something you've done celebrate it write it down or every day if you achieve something that day that you maybe wouldn't have achieved a year ago write it down all of these things are wins and you need to start internalizing all of those things because they, I can guarantee you they culminate to more than three kilos on the scale for example okay I play rugby at a very amateur level and we play proper games on a Sunday our captain messaged the details and said in the night before section to carve up I didn't think you had to cover up unless it was an extreme event. Is this a misconception? 
should it be more a case of eating drink sensibly as required? She also said drink two pints of water. Again, could that be a bit much and we should just drink what is needed for us? Um, okay, so it's not that carving up is a misconception and it's generally anything over six minutes to an hour that you probably would benefit from carbohydrates. She's not, she or he is not saying carb load. They're just saying, make sure I think that you're having carbs the night before. And that's a general pretty decent rule um, within your overall kind of daily, daily structure. Maybe add in a couple of slices of toast a night and some honey or something like that. She's not, or he's not saying you should be doing like classic carbohydrate loading protocol every week or every month or however often you play. So um, I think it's, pretty solid advice and and again two liters of water is not going to do anything so you're pretty well regulated when it comes to hydration so if you're thirsty drink if you're not don't monitor the color of your pee if it's if it's quite light then you're well hydrated your body's really good at that so go with that um and realistically in an hour and a half you're not really going to sweat that much in the uk so you don't need to worry about it too much, but if it was a very sweaty day, then it would be more about at the time, including electrolytes in your drinks and making sure that you're drinking throughout the time rather than the night before, because by the time you wake up the next day, a lot, like, a lot of it will be regulated out, so to speak, um, and you'll reach more of like a homeostasis, so like a physiological balance. Um, yeah. Um, normally, when we say carb loading, we say, yeah, more than an event lasting about 90 minutes yeah more more so for endurance isn't it yeah but yeah yeah Continue. <laughs> uh okay vacuuming does this work never completed this before as it seems similar to waist trainers i don't know if it works no me neither <laughs> me neither obviously like the is it from classic physique they do it for the guys mm-hmm. but for girls I don't know what the point is I mean look ultimately you're utilizing your core right when you're doing it and so you are it's providing a bit of a core stimulus if you're doing classic physique then you need to do it on stage so you want to practice it does it have any physiological benefit or change in terms of your stature I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any evidence on that whatsoever. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, in bodybuilding, there are certain things that people do and you think, is it doing any harm? Uh, do, do they have evidence for it? Is it doing any harm? And, and it, we, I mean, we see this a lot in general nutrition, like the cost benefit analysis of certain things. And is it going to do you any harm as a competitor? I don't think so. Um, could it potentially do something? I don't know, maybe. So would you do it, incorporate it within your training? Maybe. I know that's really sketchy, but I mean, I don't, I don't know of any evidence to say that it works. No, I mean, I'm trying to think from a, from a bikini athlete perspective, it's not gonna change the size of your waist. My only thought would be that when I've seen girls practicing it, they practice controlling the exhale. And so whether that's to do with, because I don't know about you, but in the past, 
um, I've been told um, to control my breathing so they can't see ribs because they don't want to see ribs, which when you're quite lean, it's <laughs> quite difficult. Yeah. So that would be my, I don't know whether it, it's kind of to do with that. I have no idea. Oh yeah, maybe. And also at practice, you know, with your posing practice, you're constantly trying to keep your core tight. So I, you know, trains you in that, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems a lot of hassle, <laughs> but not a lot of gain. <laughs> yeah um okay I find that anytime I try to I even try to reduce my intake a little bit to lose a bit of fat I feel triggered and it makes me feel really restricted and disordered even if I'm not how can I be able to lose fat without feeling disordered it feels any level of controlling my food is triggering um I suppose in what way are you trying to control your food because if it's a case that you're either restricting certain types or mentally restricting in some way, then yes, that's probably going to trigger things. Um, whereas if you're keeping on everything flexible as you have been up to this point and just making simple changes, um, like increasing fiber and swapping out some carbs for some veggies, then it doesn't need to be too stressful. Yeah. I would like to say that if it's triggering disordered eating habits, it's disordered eating. And I don't mean to, it's not labeling you as a person, but if it's triggering disordered eating habits, that's what it is. And it's because potentially dieting is just not the right thing for you to do. Again, right now, I'm not saying forever, but still right now, it might not be. You can have a really good relationship with food when you're not dieting. Start dieting again. And for some people, it triggers because you have the restriction or the scarcity mindset. And so it triggers old patterns. So you can challenge challenge those. You can challenge those. And um, like you said, to take a more inclusive approach, ensure that you're like reframing it from restriction to I'm choosing to do this because this is what's important to me. It's a choice. You're not, nothing's been taken away from you. You're choosing to do it this way. But again, from, from my perspective as a coach, if someone started dieting and felt triggered by that and their disordered eating habits crept in, I wouldn't suggest dieting. I don't think that it's the right thing to do at that point if that's what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. There's a couple of questions about boundaries. So I'm going to actually combine them together. Um, so first one is, what should you do when you have tried to set boundaries a number of times with a family member, but they just ignore them or keep forgetting? I've asked my mum on numerous occasions now not to comment on my body and what I eat. She still does it every now and again. And I always find it really triggering, but I just can't ask her again because we've had the conversation numerous times and it doesn't seem to get through. Actually, they're both boundaries, but we'll start with this one. Um, because they are quite different. Um, there are a couple of things here. Give her a bit of a break in that it sounds like it's every now and again, and she's maybe, like you said in the question, forgetting, and she's a human being, and she might genuinely be trying her best, but she's spent, say she's 50 years old, she's spent her whole life being conditioned to believe that it's normal to talk about people's bodies and food intake. So she's trying to break that condition of 50 years to 
listen to your boundaries and respect you and she's making a mistake that's how I would choose to see it from a compassionate like compassionate stance she's doing the best that she can and so broaching again broaching again you could just say I know that you're doing your very best can we just have like a maybe we could have like a, a signal that's like when you do see it I just put my hand up and be like like no mom or something that I realise I just said that to you, Anna. <laughs> um, but something kind that doesn't doesn't require you to say anything, but just as like a kind of stopgap. And she goes, oh, oh yeah, I've done it. And then the conversation switches to something else. That's one option. The other option is if it continues for like longer or you feel that it's more than just that, then you need to have an outcome of not sticking to that boundary. This is a this is something that I think isn't spoken about enough. You can set a boundary, but you need to say, if, you, if you're not going to stick to my boundary, then this, I'm going to do something different. As in, say you don't live with your mum and you've set the boundary around this. And then you say, do you know what? If you keep doing it, mum, I can't come around for Sunday dinner anymore because it's too triggering for me. And then you have to actually stick to that. And that's hard. It's a very hard thing to do when you want to go around to your mum's for Sunday dinner, but you've set that boundary now and that's for you to say, I'm not going to come around. And then you can have a discussion in a week or two and say, do you feel that you're able to not bring it up anymore? Great, I'll start coming back around for dinner. So again, you're not attacking, you're just saying, this is, this is self-preservation. This is what I need to do. So it depends on your relationship. It depends on intention, et cetera. But that would be what I think. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And then I think I've I've said before about the boundary myself and my mum have in place around talk about food. And now, I mean, she she is really good, but occasionally it still happens and you just have to give her a look. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, back down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's natural to fall back into those types of habits. And then you just go, oh, and it comes from often a place of worry as well or concern. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like this is for me, this is my mum making sure that I'm taking care of myself. Yeah. And all mums are feeders, aren't they? <laughs> so. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm going to follow on from on that on boundaries. How do you set better boundaries with an incredibly demanding job? During quarantine, people were working from home that usually don't, and a lot of culture has shifted to always expecting your availability. Plus, in the US, healthcare is tied to work toxically, so it isn't as easy to leave a job that isn't good to you. What are some tips to re-establish boundaries where, say, your boss has worn them away? Um, hard over lockdown, uh, but... I set clear working hours and then uh, any emails that came through after a certain time it was just left they weren't looked at on my phone that was that yeah I think there's what's clear in that question and I completely understand it because you're an employee right it's you're kind of putting it on your boss you're saying it's the work <clears throat> it's the work environment it's my boss and that's frustrating <coughs> excuse me that's frustrating but they are not your boundary setters you are your boundary setters setter and I think we often forget that people respect you more when you have boundaries people respect so all of the clients and people that I work with I know that they respect me if I don't reply to them at nine o'clock on a Saturday night and I reply to them 
later when it's within a, a kind of sociable hour, they don't think, oh my God, I can't believe she didn't text me back at nine o'clock at night. They think she's got a boundary and she's, she's not on a date, she, she doesn't <laughs> And so I'll, actually, I, I expect to reply later and that's okay. And I know that this is a specific situation, but I consider my clients and the people that I work with I'm here for them, just like an employee would be here for a boss. And so it's not a different necessarily power dynamic, I don't think. So it's tough, but you can either do it as a conversation and say, do you know what, my mental health is really suffering because I'm not switching off, I'm not sleeping and it's impacting the quality of my work or a fear that it might impact the quality of my work. So in order to do that, I'm just going to reestablish my working hours. I'm going to be turning my phone off outside of working hours. It's and again the classic. It's okay. It's not okay. You can say it's okay for you to text me or email me at nine o'clock at night, but I'm not going to reply. It's not okay for you to expect to reply, or I'm not going to reply until the next working day. Um, and and any sort of decent workplace will have to recognise that they've probably got a mental health policy in place. Most larger organisations do. So maybe even refer to that and say, you know, like this is what I need for for mental health support um and take you have to take the control back for yourself and also look at your contract and see what's actually expected of you it's always a good reference point <laughs> i know so many people that because i think quite a few places uh, i mean i've got a lot of friends that are still working from home now their offices i don't know they might go in like once a week once a fortnight for meetings but they're like um yeah, no, I I'm, I need to kind of be firmer with myself because when I worked in the office, I was there from like half eight till five, say. And then, like, but now I don't turn off till seven and I start a bit earlier because I'm at home and I can get started. I don't have to drive. I'm like, yeah, so do it. <laughs> be firm. Yeah, exactly that. And I think as well, you, you feel uh, what helps ease the guilt is how efficient you are within your working hours. So... I know if I've given my clients 100%, I don't feel bad if I don't text them back at a certain time. Whereas if I've slacked on that, then I will feel guilty because I know that's me slacking and then that's contributing to me slacking and that's not okay. Same with like working hours. If you've fannied around from three o'clock till five o'clock, waiting for it to be five o'clock and then you're working till seven o'clock and then you're, you're complaining that you've pushed your boundaries, what if you were just really efficient between three and five? Would it be, feel a lot easier for you to switch off? And by the way, I don't know who wrote this question. I am sure you are very efficient at work. Yeah. But I mean, in the more generalized sense, again, I see this a lot with um, self-employed people, just that lack of efficiency. So you feel bad switching off and then you feel like your boundaries push, And then it's just like this constant cycle. So it's something else to look at. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, this one is... Keen to hear your thoughts. I know we don't have good or bad foods, but low calorie foods such as syrups, ice creams, are they okay? Do you know what? This came up on a podcast when I did a, a podcast with Courtney Black and, and um, we were talking about competitors and stuff. And I said, you know, I don't really, I said, it's a bit of a red flag to me for competitors using like a skinny sauce in off season. And she was like, well, I use them all the time. And I was like, oh, sugar. Because I don't think... <laughs> I was like, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I really don't. And each to their own. And if you really love the taste of them, then fine. My question is, why, why are you having a skinny sauce? What's the purpose behind it? Do you genuinely, genuinely, genuinely believe that you like that better than Heinz tomato ketchup? 
because I can think you can convince yourself sometimes that you do, but really you don't. That being said, I love, for example, I love sometimes Halo Top and I love sometimes Ben and Jerry's and I don't treat it as a diet food. I just sometimes I prefer the taste of Halo Top. It's rare these days, but sometimes. Um, I don't have anything. I don't have any. I don't hate them. I think that I don't really personally feel that they're of benefit to anyone unless it's somebody balls deep in prep and on, on low calories. Um, mm. But in day to day, I don't think there's a benefit of them. And they're expensive. All of those options are expensive, like two or three or four times the amount of a normal product. And I don't think it's necessarily worth it. And I remember when Halo Top first came to the UK and like I would do a post and it's like, this is this many calories and this is this many calories for a tub of Ben Jerry's and a tub of Halo Top. And it's like, that's when, and you can see it, right? That's when you have the mindset of, I have to eat the whole tub. That's exactly, yeah. That's just it. I mean, it was when it came out, it was always one of those things. And I was like, well, I could eat the whole tub, but I've worked so frigging hard to get away from the mindset that I need to eat a whole tub of ice cream. So I don't think I tried it until last year. And even then it was still like a, a serving and I didn't really get the hype. because <laughs> I'd much rather just have a bowl of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, do you know how badly I really want a spoon and a Ben and Jerry's right now? <laughs> it's really like at the forefront. I've got PMS and it's literally like, no, I really, really need this. Damn it. <laughs> um, I remember having a discussion with you. I think you were a client. I hope you don't mind me yeah. saying I think it was when you no, were no, a client no. about something like this. And you mm-hmm. said... You said something like it's a big you had you did have halo top and you said you only had half or you didn't want to buy it because you knew that you would just justify eating the whole tub because it was local and you didn't want to eat a whole tub of ice cream because it's, you don't eat whole tubs of ice cream anymore i think it was yeah. when we were still like working through some stuff yeah I remember that discussion yeah yeah no I, I mean don't get me wrong i think if you want to eat a whole tub of ice cream i have nothing against that um as everybody knows, it's perfectly okay. But for me, it, it's weird. It's just not one of those foods that I, I will turn to anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, ice cream, syrups, anything like that. But I would, like you said, if you're just kind of living, not prepping, I, I would ask why you feel the need to. Yeah, exactly that because yeah exactly that uh, okay I'm going to make this question into a whole podcast so I'm going to skip this one um okay to the person who asked this to Lynn you never have to apologize for long-winded questions don't you worry about that okay my mom has said that she wants to get surgery in order to be able to wear a bikini and get a boyfriend because she's competing with younger women she's 60 and only about a size 12 she said she would support me if I wanted to get surgery. I have wanted to get liposuction for ages. I feel sad that she didn't just say you don't need it and instead that she would support me to get it. So I guess two questions. How do I stop feeling weird about the fact my mum wants surgery to be more attractive, which makes me feel the same? Being single is a big insecurity for me. And two, what are the pros and cons of liposuction for someone who is a size 10 to 12 and just wants to spot reduced fat? Thanks so much. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry that you're struggling with this at the moment. I'm going to say that first. I think what screams out to me a little bit is that, and this is completely normal and understandable, 
but you are basing your preferences, basing your choices, basing your self-worth on A, your body and B, your mum. None of these things are related to yourself and who you are, but they are currently the source of your dissatisfaction. And that's something that you'll work through with Lynn in the sense of coming back to yourself and asking, well, actually, what's important to me? Does it matter? Yes, okay, it's really hard if you think that your mum has a judgment of you. That's really, really tough when you are close with your mum or you care about your mum's opinion like a lot of us do. So I'm not invalidating that in any way. But what you feel matters infinitely more than what your mum feels. And if you don't feel that way, then that's that's related to how you feel about yourself and your confidence in yourself and your self-worth and your self-esteem as opposed to anything to do with your body. We have to stop expecting others. I actually shared a post on this today before the podcast on my Instagram story, but we have to stop expecting others to feel a certain way, to act a certain way. We can only set our own boundaries about what we allow in our space. And if your mum triggers you when you're talking about this, stop talking to her about this because it's not helping you. And even if liposuction is something you decide you want to do, then you decide on your own. But it doesn't come from your mum who you genuinely feel triggered by, I think. I don't think that's a helpful conversation to have. So maybe stop having these discussions with her. And also potentially say, do you know what, mum, if you want to get liposuction, you can do that. But it doesn't, it's making me feel, or I feel when we talk about this, that I need to change the way my body looks. And that's your value. That's what's important to you. But I'm trying to work on me as a person and that's not helpful to me. So again, it does kind of come down to boundaries a little bit and having a bit of a discussion if you feel able to, to say that. Um, sometimes we're looking for reassurance and certain people just don't know how to provide that reassurance. And I don't think that in this situation, your mum has provided the reassurance you're looking for. But again, this is where we need to get better at self-soothing, at self-compassion, because we have to be able to provide that for ourselves. And this kind of ties into you being insecure about being single, because I'm, I'm single and I view it very much as a choice because I'm not reliant on anyone else to give me compassion or reassurance. That's a lie. I rely on my best friends to do that for me or myself sometimes. Um, but I don't need a man to do that for me. And so being single becomes much more of a choice until you find somebody that you, that you want to do those things and can do those things without you needing it. And so working on that is going to help you feel less insecure about being single. And I can guarantee you that you're not single because you haven't had liposuction. I, I would put I would put 99% of my money on that because, yeah, that's especially something like liposuction, something that a man would never notice, or a woman, I don't know if you're straight or gay or bisexual, but it's not something that anyone looks at in general, like us, like a two inches off your stomach. No one will never notice that, especially when you walk into a room and you have worked so much on your self-worth and your self-compassion that you go in and your eyes are dazzling and you're smiling and you're so confident about who you are. Do you really think this person is like, no, do you know what? The most important thing to me right now is the two inches that she's had like off her waist. <laughs> I don't think that happens. I would put, I would be quite sure about that. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I completely, completely agree with it all. Um, like you said, 
I think it's probably worth having that discussion with your mum. It's not going to be an easy discussion by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably going to help you in the long run and maybe build some confidence in yourself as well. Mm. Um, and like you said, all the work that she'll be doing with Lynn around self-compassion is really going to help obviously improve body image and how you feel about yourself. Um, and in and that's also going to help the the insecurity with with being single because I think it's almost it's almost like the losing weight side of things. I'll be happy when no having having a partner is is meant to they're meant to complement you rather than complete you. Yeah. Um. Agree. In terms of the um, pros and cons of liposuction. It's, well, expensive, there's a con. But also, this is actually something that Emma teaches on EIQ, the, what liposuction does is it actually removes your fat cells because your fat cells are pretty constant as an adult and you can empty them through dieting, but they're still there. But your fat cells are really, really good stores of body fat. They're really good stores of um, body fat that would have to be stored elsewhere if you didn't store them in your fat, in your fat cells. And so health-wise, having those empty sacks or sacks available is, uh, is a good thing. And removing them could potentially be detrimental because you don't have those fat stores anymore. So if you do gain weight, where does it go? So um, I, I would never encourage anyone to get liposuction. I think, I think that's pretty obvious. That being said, I totally understand how you feel I completely understand it and there's no shame in it whatsoever there's no shame in having liposuction either I just personally I don't see the the benefit for me would be if you feel there's a benefit to your change in body but for me I wouldn't say that was a benefit because I don't really think that losing a few inches from a part of your body is a win particularly unless it's important to you Okay, change of pace. <laughs> um, I'm a huge people pleaser when out with friends. How do I manage their expectations? Still drink to amount that I'm comfortable with without letting them down. We spoke about this last week, I think, on the podcast, didn't mm. we? I would listen to episode number 59 of the <laughs> PhD team podcast because we did speak about this in regards to a Henry Um, You're not letting in, like, you need to, well, is it really letting someone down you're not having another two tequilas does that really let them down i've never felt let down because a friend didn't have a shot with me a shot with me maybe i did when i was 16. I said 18, <laughs> 18. um again thinking about like is this thought true is it really true that you're you're actually letting someone down no and i think again coming back to that idea of whenever i whenever i don't do what i want to do what i'm saying is they're more important than me and it's not about just saying yes to that person. Whenever you say yes to that, you're saying no to yourself. So if you want to say no to yourself over and over again on a night out, then do that. But think how that's going to have a knock-on effect for how you feel the next day. And again, we completely understand the people-pleasing thing. I was thinking about that this morning, actually. I was speaking to someone, um, one of my friends, and then I got to the phone and I was like, why did I even say that? Oh, I just was trying to be nice. I was like, <laughs> 
like that's not okay and it comes to you so naturally and then you only on reflection you say well why have I just said that (laughs) um so I totally get it but whenever you do do it like it's different be nice to someone versus actually doing something that's of detriment to you Mm. yeah I mean I can very much relate I've been peer pressured into drinking numerous times but (laughs) but it, it comes down to you doesn't it at the end of the day and I think one of the and I mean I still use this question now in different situations thankfully um, but it's like what will my future self thank me for and it, it generally is not having a hangover the the day after so finding that confidence just be like no I'm gonna do this for me because I will feel better for it mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I actually saw a post on people pleasing um, on Instagram today by somebody um I will put it in the Facebook group actually I'm gonna find it um because I can't remember off the top of my head okay even though my relationship with food and myself has grown extreme length since working with you when someone mentions the words shall we get a takeaway it fills me with fear I want to tackle this feeling and overcome it so I can enjoy these moments when me and the girls decide to get a takeaway instead of just dreading it do you have any advice I would be inclined to say perhaps you're still labeling them in some way so there's still that guilt attached to them and when you start seeing them as just another type of food then you won't be afraid to have a great night with your friends and enjoy them yeah and that this person in particular has is so good at socializing and stuff now she's like I'm in awe of her a lot of the time to be quite honest but not in terms of relationship with food just in terms of gosh, she's a social butterfly so, <laughs> like certainly has come on leaps and bounds in that sense and I agree with you the food neutrality thing is huge I think I think the only way to really answer this is well the first thing is it's it's going to take some time just to get out of that habit that's been a kind of source of guilt for you for a while so it just does it, it will take some time for it not to feel that way anymore but the other thing is the next time that it happens look at what you're actually saying to yourself that's really the only way to tackle why you're still doing it are you saying to yourself oh well it's a bad food or are you saying to yourself I've not trained today and so I shouldn't have it or are you saying to yourself I've not planned it and then and then once you start looking at the questions you're asking yourself then you can reflect on okay well how can we then change it so for example it's well I've not planned it okay well we need to work on being a bit more flexible during the week so that you feel less attached to your structure or what do you let's work on the actual logic behind it what do you think is going to happen if you haven't planned it and is that actually factually correct i.e are you really eating 4,000 calories over your maintenance calories and therefore potentially going to gain half a kilo of body fat overnight realistically is that what's happening because if you're a mind mindfully eating a takeaway that's not what's going to happen even remotely and it's not going to have any impact so sometimes I think it can be really helpful to go through the, the physiology and the actual science behind these things sometimes so that you can rationalize it when you say is this not true no the, like the science is it's not true so then what if so what is it is it an association is it because I'm calling it a bad food etc so I would say that look at that and this person works with me so let me know what the thought process is we can go from there we'll do one more question Mm -hmm. um 
hair loss post competition or photo shoot prep? Yeah, I guess why does it happen or how to help it improve? Yeah, I think I answered something like this on Instagram recently. So hair loss can happen with micronutrient deficiencies, specifically iron um, or predominantly iron. If you have been in an energy deficit, so if you've not had enough energy for basic physiological processes, i.e. like when you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, or you have not been getting a variety of micronutrients in your diet, or you've been very stressed, those things can all contribute to hair loss and hair thinning. Um, you can't prevent it. You can only prevent it by not getting so lean and not dieting really and managing your stress. So it's the same as it, like um, HA really in that sort of sense that those like you want to focus on all of those three things and manage your energy intake make sure that you're getting a variety of foods make sure that you do have food containing iron and if you're vegan that maybe you're supplemented with iron if you've or ideally first of all before you even do that you go to your doctor and get a blood test and find out what your blood levels are that's worth doing if you've got hair loss anyway straight off the bat um the other option is potentially that you've got long covid or you've had covid i'm sure that triggers hair loss but i'm not a doctor so I don't know. <laughs> when I lost my hair, I checked for COVID antibodies because I thought, surely it's not, surely it's not a life trauma. It's got <laughs> surely it's not 2020. No. <laughs> Definitely not that. Same as that. Um, so get a blood test just to check your level, your nutrient levels um, and your hormone levels, etc. But again, yeah, we see this with, for example, HA people who are micronutrient deficient and the effects of low estrogen potentially. But yeah, unless you're not going to get that lean, then all you can do is try and work on these things as much as you can outside of that. Yep. Nothing to add to that. Cool. Well, thank you all for your delightful, delightful questions. And anything we've not got through, we will get through next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.